I'm going to talk to you today about three traits that are important in the character of every man and woman in faith. But before I do that, why don't you join me in going to our Lord in prayer, if you can please stand and join me in prayer. Father Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be right here in Alpha and Omega, right now. We praise and worship you. We praise your name, Father Lord, the name of Jesus Christ, the name that stands above all other names. I thank the King of Kings, the God of the armies of Israel, and the Prince of Peace for the life of every person that is in this room. I thank Lord Jesus Christ because he is right now working. You are a work in progress. You're not a finished work. And in this very moment, he is perfecting your life. I declare that greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. I declare that we are blessed going in and going out. And I declare that today you will leave here better than you came in because you're from above. You're not from below because you're a head. You're not a tail because you are more than conqueror in Jesus Christ who loves and strengthens you. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, take domain of this place right now. Speak to our lives. Minister to our hearts. May your word be revealed to us today. May we understand it. May we receive it. May we confess it, declare it, and practice it today, tomorrow, and every day in our lives. Amen? Amen. You, may, you may be seated. According to a recent Nissan survey, the average American, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say to them, I am not an average American. I am a blessed American. The average American spends 10 hours and 39 minutes every day hooked on an iPad, iPhone, or in a computer. And that's an extraordinary amount of time when you consider that a week has 168 hours. When you deduct dining, bathing, and eating, and sleeping, it leaves you with barely eight hours a week for things of value. God, family, community. No doubt, some of our society are more hooked on Google than on God. Some in our society have lost focus. Some in our society have become impatient in this world of e-commerce and cloud servers. We have become to expect and demand instant gratification and instant feedback from our loved ones, from our colleagues, from our business associates, and even from God. We live in an instant world of fast food, fast change, online banking, facial recognition. We get so impatient and so antsy at times that we barely give our Lord time to do His work when things are not happening as fast as we would like. The book of Proverbs, a word says in chapter 3, verse 6, acknowledge Him wherever your journey takes you, and He shall guide your path. Nowhere does it say any time lapse, any time for completion. There's, I teach, as, a, as the presenter said, I, I teach the laws of principles of faith in the AO Bible College. And I can tell you that there is no greater test, no greater proof of faith than perseverance. 
I'm going to say that again. There's no greater proof, tangible proof of your faith than perseverance. And perseverance is when you obediently and patiently in good spirits, and I want to underline good spirits because you can wait patiently all stressed out, yelling and making everybody's life unbearable. In good spirits, you continue to move forward waiting for God to do his work. Even though your eyes don't see the results, even though your eyes don't see the finish line, even though you don't see the mountaintop, you keep climbing. There are many stories in the Bible of men and women of great patience and perseverance. Job, Noah, Ruth, John, the Apostle Paul. The challenges and the adversities and the sufferings of these men and women were of such an extent that sometimes it's difficult to relate, but we all go through them, you and I. You have the authority, each of you that have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, each of you have the authority in you to declare things that are not as they are, to conquer all things, to explore all avenues through Jesus who strengthens you. And to persevere is not to do something repeatedly over and over when it's not working. If something's not working over and over, you adjust. To continue doing something over and over when it's not working, well, that's not very smart. Perseverance is when you patiently search other sources when what you're doing is not working, while you patiently work, wait for God to do His work. And I know that's hard. I know it's not easy. It's easy for me to stand here and to tell you but when you're going through the storm, when you're feeling pain in your body, or you lost a loved one, or you lost your job, it's easy for me to tell you to persevere when you're going through that pain. And it seems sometimes that every step you take, you move sideways. But the important thing here is to finish the race, to not stop moving, to don't throw in the towel, don't take the easy way out. It doesn't matter if you crawl, walk, or run. The message is, hi, mi amor, I love you too. The message is, you finish the race. Giving up is not an option. Tell the person next to you, giving up is not an option. In the summer of 1992, there was a Summer Olympics, and a gentleman by the name of Derek Redman was a sprinter representing Great Britain from the West Indies. He was a favorite to win the 400 meter race. And in the semifinals, as he turned the first leg, Derek tore hamstring. And the pain, he fell to the floor, grimacing in pain. All of a sudden, the cameras turned to the audience. And coming down the crowds was Derek's father. He climbed over the fence. Guards went to stop him. They allowed him to continue. He went to Derek, who was kneeling on the floor in pain. He had just torn the hamstring. The father embraced him. Derek got up. And in one leg, he hopped over to the finish line. Derek had practiced for four years preparing for that 400 meter. And in a split second, when he tore that hamstring, his dreams of winning a gold medal evaporated in thin air. But at that moment, in front of thousands of people in that stadium in Barcelona, 
1992 before millions of people watching it on TV. At that moment, his goal was to finish the course and cross the finish line. Ray Kroc, who is the founder of McDonald's restaurants, the largest restaurant chain in the world, he said one day that more important than talent, more important than IQ or intellect, is perseverance. Nothing substitutes per perseverance. Winston Churchill in 1941, addressing the commencement class of Oxford University, went up to the podium like this, and in front of all the students that were graduating that day at Oxford, Winston Churchill's commencement speech had five words, and his five words were, never, never, never give up. A very good friend of mine, Armando Valladares, Armando is a poet, a writer, a patriot, and Armando served 27 years in solitary confinement in Cuban prisons. His crime was not willing to sign an affidavit where he would renounce his belief in God, where he would renounce the freedom of speech, and where he would renounce the free enterprise system. In fact, they wanted him to sign a manifesto where he agreed with the communist Marxism doctrine. For not signing that document, for simple objection of not signing a document, he served 27 years in prison, solitary confinement, suffering tortures day in and day out. I asked Armando one day, I said, Armando, how did you, how did you survive? How could you persevere? without seeing the sunlight, not knowing what was happening outside, not knowing if you were ever going to make it out of prison. And he said, Willie, I only had one thing. I had my faith in God and knowing that he was there with me and he had big plans for me in my life. <laughs> Armando came to Miami and at that time President Ronald Reagan appointed him ambassador at large in the United Nations. He went on to write books of poetry, and his book, Against All Hope, was a bestseller in the New York Times. Listen, every man and woman has three days important in their lives. The day that they're born, the day that they're born again, and the day that they discover why they were born. When you have a strong spiritual root, when you know what your divine purpose is in life, why you're here on earth, you can surpass, you can conquer any adversity that may come before you, any storm that comes before you, just like Armando did in his story. And his purpose in life was for him to come out and tell his story like no one else could about the atrocities, about the tortures in Cuban prisons and how many people had died in that process. In the Old Testament, the Lord uses prophets like Ezekiel and, and dreams to present visions. But we are under the New Testament, and in the New Testament, it's having an intimate and personal relationship with your Heavenly Father, being in communion with Him, not on Sundays, but on a daily basis. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy Spirit will paint visions in your heart of what is the perfect will for you here on earth. In the book of Genesis, chapter 37 to 50, the story of Joseph, one of 12 brothers, and Joseph had two divine dreams. They put him at the center of his family. They put him at the center of the world. 
and his divine purpose was to govern. First confirmed to him by a colorful robe, a robe meant for kings, a robe meant for governors, given to him by his father Jacob. And no matter what the circumstance surrounding Joseph, whether it was his 12 brothers that conspired to kill him, they throw him in a hole, they later sell him as a slave. He's later a slave in the house of Potiphar, where he is falsely accused and jailed for a crime that he had not committed. No matter what his circumstance, in a hole, as a servant, or as a prisoner, Joseph persevered because he understood what his divine and perfect will of God was in his life. When you know what the divine purpose is in your life, you know immediately that the adversity that you may be going through is not the end. You understand that that is not the final outcome. You understand that that adversity is just part of the journey. And when you know what is your divine purpose in your life, you do everything that you do with joy in your heart, no matter how routine, how mundane, how low in the pay scale what you're doing may be. You're not bored. You're not uninterested. You're engaged and you're passionate about everything you do, no matter how small it may be. Friday is not the best day of the week. You enjoy every day because you realize that each and every day is a gift from God. And when you have a clear vision of where you see yourself, when you have a defined, divine vision of who you are and where you're going in life, and when you have strong spiritual roots, like my friend Armando Valladares, you can withstand any storm, any challenge that may come along the way. I arrived in Miami more than 62 years ago. October 22nd, 1960 to be exact. I was nine years old and my father and my mother and I, we arrived in Miami with $5 in our pockets. That was the amount of money that we were able to bring from Cuba at the time. There was no Cuban refugee program. There was not a Cuban or Latin community like we all have here. It was a very different world. It was a new country, a new culture, a new language. But what I learned that what's important in the journey of life, it's not where you started and not where you stopped along the way. The important thing in the journey of life is the journey itself, the process, the difficulties, the adversities. They mold you. The adversities will take you and test you like the rungs of a ladder. They each take you to a higher level. And let me tell you something. The difficulties and the adversities do not define you, but they perfect you. <laughs> and your journey of life is very different when the focus of your life is not the I am, when the focus of your life is not your intellect, when the focus of your life it's not what you have accomplished. When the focus of your life is not your material possessions, the car that you drive or where you live. The journey is very different when the focus of your life is your creator, the king of kings, is your guide and your compass. And I'll tell you why. Because the conditions are bound to change. 
the financial markets are going to change. The interest rates are going to go up or they're going to go down. The gas is going to cost $5 or it's going to cost $3. The only constant in your life, the only one that's always there, that never abandons you, that doesn't change, that is eternally faithful, is our Lord Jesus Christ. And what's beautiful and glorious about our Lord is not just that he gets you out of the hole and he makes you, helps you make it out of the storm. What's beautiful and glorious about our Lord is that he's there with you. That's what's beautiful and glorious, and that's why we give all the honor and all the glory to him. In my business life, I've learned that with each financial crisis, with each legal adversity, I was being molded and prepared for the next level. And years later, I realized that I was also being transformed, not just my business and my dealings. I realized that that old me, that old me that at times was abrasive, was self-centered and arrogant, was being humbled. Humility was replacing arrogance. Impatience and impulsiveness was being replaced by temperance and by patience. With each fall, with each failure, I was leaving behind old associations, none of them good. I was leaving behind all friends, none of them good. I was leaving behind all customs and all habits, none of them good. I was being transformed just like Joseph was being transformed with every changing garment from the colorful robe to the garment as a servant to his prison uniform. It was transforming. It transformed me. There is a biblical verse in Ecclesiastes 11.2. I always have a hard time pronouncing that in English. And it says, divide your investments amongst many places, for you don't know the risks that may lie ahead. In other words, in secular terms, it says, don't put your eggs all in one basket. And if anybody here is an investment banker or you're playing the stock market, it's probably not bad advice. But if you're building anything, if you're building a business, you're building a home, you're building a marriage, you're building a relationship, you have to be focused to aspire to extraordinary results. You have to concentrate your efforts on one thing. And you do have to put all your eggs in that basket, whether it's your business, whether it's your spouse and your family, or whether it's any relationship, anything of worth that you're trying to build. When you try to do too many things at the same time, you end up not doing any of them exceptionally well. And it's difficult. I realize in this world that we live, we have so many demands on our hours. And sometimes I'm sure some of you are feel, feeling every morning that you're juggling so many things in your life. Who hasn't arrived at his job place or maybe on a Sunday before a Monday and when you get to your workplace, you take out a little pad and you write the 10 things that you believe have to be done that week. You do your list of things to do. And what happens is that what you put first is just the first thing that occurred to you. It's not necessarily the most important thing. That list is like a list of groceries, like a it's like a survival kit. It's not really what's most important in your life. And with the advent of computers, this became worse. In the 1980s, across America, from Los Angeles to New York, the word multitasking became commonplace, like aspirin. 
show me someone that is an avid multitasker and I will show you someone that is very busy all the time doing many things, but again, none of them extremely well. And if I'm wrong, try to drive down I-95 at 60 miles, five miles an hour, texting at the same time. This is not a recommendation, please don't do that. It's just an example. An example that you can't be totally focused on two things at the same time. The most important thing, this is so obvious and trite, but the most important thing is to always do the most important thing. Just follow that. Use your God-given wisdom to discern about the many choices that you have before you, the many unequal choices that you have. I, I preached here about three weeks ago. I don't know who of you were here. And in that preaching, I talked about the intersection of two, two miracles, the woman with the 12-year blood flow and the story of Jairus. And the fact that Jairus was presented with two choices. One choice was to believe the messenger of death that had just arrived saying that his daughter had died. The other was to believe Jesus Christ who said, fear not, just believe. And he shows the correct one. There's a Bible story where Jesus and his disciples arrive unannounced in the house of Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. They catch him off guard. The house is not tidy. Nothing has been prepared. There's no food, there's no hors d'oeuvres, there's no refreshments. Things are thrown all over the place. And Martha wants everything to be done to create a great impression on Jesus and the disciples. And she expects Mary to help her with the chores of getting everything ready. To go to the kitchen, prepare the hors d'oeuvres, get the refreshments ready, and serve their guests. But Mary, the younger sister, angers her older sister because Mary decides not to fix anything, but she goes silently and she sits at the feet of Jesus to hear the teacher speak the word. We always have choices in our world. We have many options. Mary, the youngest one, was focused. She was focused on one thing and one thing only. Jesus turns to Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you are so worried and troubled about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the right part, which will not be denied to her. You have to set priorities in life. First things first. And always remember this. You always have time for what you put first in your life. Say to the person next to you, I always have time for what I put first in my life. <laughs> Unlike her big sister, Mary reduced all the options of everything that needed to be done that day to one. She reduced all the clutter because she was focused. She was focused on the most important thing. Martha, on the other hand, she was multitasking. She wanted the refreshments done. She wanted the house clean. She wanted to do her hair and put some makeup and look good for the visitors. When you're focused like a marksman, like a sharpshooter, you prioritize the things in front of you. Listen to this. When you're focused, you can prioritize the things in front of you and you learn 
how to say no. It wasn't easy for Mary to say no to her older sister. It's hard to say no. I have a friend of mine who led a large hedge fund in New York, and he one day said to me, Willie, Willie, the secret is not doing every great deal that comes across my desk. The secret is to make sure that I don't do any of the bad ones. It's easier to say no when you're focused and where you know where you're going and why. It's easier to say no when you have a vision of where you see yourself and where you understand the divine and perfect will of God in your life. Without vision, the people perish. That is written in Proverbs 29, 18. Each of us, each of us has a divine purpose. Say to the person next to you, I am blessed. I have a divine purpose in my life. And your divine purpose in your life was given to you before you were born, before the beginning of time. We are not a group of interchangeable parts like a Lego set. We don't come out of a factory of sausages. Each of us was created by our almighty Father with a unique gift, a unique and special gift that each of us has to open doors, excel, excel in everything you do in life. That is not Willie Bermejo here preaching. And that is not new era. That is not humanism. That is the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy. Second of Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. Enhance the gift of God that is in you. Michael Phelps, the swimmer. Michael Phelps went to five Olympics. Five Olympics. Olympics happen every four years. So you do the math. 20 years swimming. Every day he'd be in the pool for eight hours. He won 28 medals, 23 gold medals. He enhanced the gift of God that he was given. Let others be the witness, be a witness of how God has manifested himself in your life. Let your legacy be a shining light to others. Have you ever wondered what others will say, what your kids, my grandkids, will say the day that I'm not here, that you're not here? Well, you have done something so positive that no one will ever forget. Will you leave a legacy that will transcend and that will bless others far and near? God always some way, I don't know if he does it, but he always gives you a vision when you're going through the worst times in your life. And he does that so that you remember and you never forget that it was him who helped you out of that storm, out of that hole. Whether it's a financial issue, whether it was an attack on your health, whether it was a relationship that you just went through. So that you always acknowledge him that you know who is the source of all of your blessings in life? In the journey of life, we all end up someplace. And there's nothing more satisfactory than to look back during the last chapters of your life and to know that your life had purpose, that your life had a divine purpose.
and that your life was worth it. Do not ever, do not ever let your past, and certainly don't let your present determine your future. Don't let the present circumstances surrounding you limit you in any way as to your life's potential. Have the courage to take that first step boldly. This December, as we near the end of 2022 and we're ready to start 2023, this is a season to be bold. Say to the person next to you, this is my season to be bold. And I know that all of you are creatures of habit. We tend to resist change. We hold on to a lot of material things. I just moved twice in the last 18 months, so I know a lot about that because I went to my closets and storage and we had incredibly stuff that should have been thrown away. We are conditioned and we're pressured to expediency, to get things done quickly. We tend to grab the low-hanging fruit and we certainly try to stay in our comfort zone, often too much. But when you place what you have in the Lord's hands, the impossible becomes possible. One of the 39 miracles of Jesus Christ, the only one that is on all four Gospels, there was this lad, this young boy, who left early that morning, and his mother had given him five slices of barley bread and two sardines, and he had put it in his backpack. And off he went to hear Jesus. Jesus spent that entire afternoon healing and teaching. It was the same day that morning that Jesus got the horrible message that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been decapitated, had been killed. It was a horrible day for Jesus, one with a lot of bad things happening. But that day after preaching, he was tired, emotionally drained when his lovely cousin had been killed. He had been healing, and it was late in the afternoon. People were tired. People were hungry, and the disciples come up to Jesus and say, Teacher, we should send people to go home. Make sure it's getting dark. Make sure they can get to the next town. They were out in the deserts outside of Bethesda. Why don't you adjourn us so that we can leave? Now, the disciples were experienced travelers. They had their provisions. But they were in their comfort zone. And it was this young little boy who goes up to Andrew, the brother of Peter, and said, I, I have food. This young boy took a step, took a bold step forward. And we don't know his name because his name is not important. You know who's that little boy? Each one of you is that little boy. And the message is that your seeds are powerful. The money that you have in your pocket and in your purse is powerful. Not what's in the purse and not what's in your pocket. It's powerful when you seed it. When you sow that seed has power. A seed that is not sowed 
has no power. Your hard-earned dollars in your pockets have absolutely no power at all. But when you tie them, when you invest in the kingdom, it's very powerful. That young man placed everything he had in Jesus' hand. The five loaves of bread and the two fish. And there was multiplication and overabundance where 5,000 men and women were fed. And there was so much overabundance that there were 12 baskets of food to bless those that were not there. You may think that you may have little. You may think that you don't have enough to give. But when you give joyfully what you have, obediently, when you put in your Lord's hands your marriage, your business, your home, your family, he will not only bless you with multiplication, he will bless your descendants with overabundance. You have to take bold steps in life. Steps that the world may see as courage. But courage is not the absence of fear or doubt. Courage is when you take a step forward in spite of fear or doubt. Courage is when the God-given faith, that measure of faith that you received the day that you were born again, when that conquers fear and doubt. Because you know that taking a bold step will take you somewhere. But I guarantee to you that taking no step will take you nowhere. So... My dear brothers and sisters, be ready as we go into 2023 to leave your comfort zone. Take bold steps forward. Put your life, put your family, put your business in God's hands. Don't be afraid to fail. Success is the ability to go from failure to failure with enthusiasm. And you can be the most powerful businessman in Miami and not have peace in your heart. You can be a success in the boardroom and be a failure at home, estranged from your loved ones. I remember a number of years ago, referring to kind of old associations and old friendships, I was at a meeting, and these guys, they're buddies of mine, but they were kind of kidding me because obviously they knew I was in the work, so they started calling me El Curita, you know, the priest. And, um, but they, they, they didn't ingest, you know, the Cubans, they, they like to kid a lot. And, but one of them was a little more serious, and he said, Willie, uh, do you still live in that house in Granada? I lived in Granada at the time. And I said, yes, I do. Do you still drive that SL550? Yes, I do. Do you still have the, your firm in Coconut Grove? Yes, I do. He says, tell me, what has that God given you? And I said, let me tell you what he has taken away. He has taken away my sleepless nights. He has taken away my stress. He has taken away my worries, my anxiety. He has given me the joy and the peace to go forward. So my message to all of you today is to make the Lord the focus of your life. Let him be your foundation. Let him be your rock. Rest in him. Let him fight your battles for you. Oh, I know he's put him first in your life, not the golf game on Saturday or not the fishing expedition. Put him first in your life. Do you ever expect that you're going to reach out to him and he may say to you, I am busy. Call me tomorrow. Be focused. Be bold. Don't be timid, lukewarm, or indifferent. And lastly, 
never give up.